Welcome to the Community Church Podcast. This week, Todd Hicksonball, our children's ministry director, will be giving a special message from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 26. If you'd like to take notes, there's a link for that in the show notes. But thanks for joining us, and without further ado, here's Todd. Well, I'm so grateful to be able to be with you today and to be able to bring a message that I think that God has special for us today. And so if you are the Bible reading type, which I hope you are, duh, um, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 12, verses 12 through 26. If you've brought a Bible, if you don't have one, they are available in front of you, or you can just follow along on the screens. Let's read. Starting in verse 12, it says, just as a body, Though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. Verse 13, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of whatever that says. The body is not made up of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. If they were all as he wanted them to be, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable retreat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. This is the word of God to God's people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you grateful. We thank you for the sacrifice that we celebrated last weekend in your son Jesus dying, being buried, being risen from the dead, and sitting at the right hand of you. And doing all of that for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, we ask that today you would bless this space and allow your spirit to flow into the souls of each of us, to prod our hearts and to allow us to understand you in deeper and better ways. Use my words, though meager, to be able to accomplish all of your tasks. We love you. Thanks for loving us. Amen. Now, whenever I was a kid, one of the things that I love to do my mother is here today. She could attest to this. She would tell you, I loved to do science and I loved to build and, and, and be creative. So I had to tell you what it was. Is I liked to be creative. 
I would play with blocks and I would play with Tonka trucks and, and everything that I could do to be creative. And one of the things that I found myself whenever I was a young boy being intrigued by was in preschool, there was a, wait for it, Mr. Potato Head. That was the most magical and fascinating piece of starch that I had ever seen in my life. I mean, come on, one day he had a mustache, the next day, nothing. You could change his hats. My favorite thing to do was I would change his ear to where his nose was supposed to be, and I would change his nose to his mouth because I could. It was so much fun. And for me, as I was beginning to learn about the body and where things actually should be placed, it was super, super fun. Now, Mr. Potato Head might be, if you're an adult today, not very relevant in your life unless you have small children, but it has a lot of relevance, I think, in what we're going to talk about today. So let's start in chapter, let's start in chapter 12, verse 12. So Paul says in this verse, he says, just as the body, just as the body, though one, has many parts, all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Now, I wanted to give you a little bit of context first. And as he's talking about this, this verse, there's some stuff that I think is super important. I had a professor in college that told me, hey, Todd, one of the most important things that you can understand is context when you're reading the Bible. By the way, I think that our world sorely lacks context in which we live. Would you agree with me? So let's talk about a little bit of context as we go into this letter. See, Paul is writing to a church that he planted in Corinth about three years after it has been planted, all right? And he's talking about different things. So he's talking about sin, and he's talking about church worship, and, and he's talking about all kinds of things that are going wrong. At one point, he's, he's addressing like disorderly conduct. Apparently, um, there were some issues within the church about how people believed their opinions should be weighted. We'll get into that in a moment. He was writing in approximately 53 or 54 AD, so approximately 20 years, give or take, from the time when Jesus died, was resurrected, and went back into heaven. So about 20 years had, had passed since that time. And you have to understand that Corinth was an incredibly wealthy place. Money flowed there. Or they were loaded. It was a port town, and because of that, there was the ability to have traders and marketers from all over the world coming there to buy and to sell and to trade all of their goods. And the port was located in the north and gave access to the entire Roman Empire from there. Money, money was not lacking. Other things were. Paul also met two of his good friends who he became uh, co-workers, as he described himself, co-workers in the fields of Christ with Priscilla and Aquila. And they were two people who, during the 18 months that Paul spent in Corinth when he planted the church, they, they became tent makers with him and, and they would spend, they spent a lot of time together. This was a very significant time in Paul's ministry. Now, as we are looking at the, the, the letter itself, Paul has a lot of things he has to address. He doesn't have that much time. There's, there's a lot of things he has to get through. And so he spends the first four chapters discussing things like, like theology, the role of the apostles and the church, and, and how all of it fit 
together. There were a lot of questions you see about who had the authority to correct and who had the authority to do these things. Paul himself, and we'll get into this later, was actually under attack. And he addresses this in the letter about his own validity as an apostle. And so he's starting to address broad themes about what the church actually is in those first four chapters. He spends chapters four through eight talking about personal piety. Now, piety has a bad rap, I think. Um, What he's really talking about is, is what it meant to actually be a Christ follower and to live well. Right? He's, he's directly addressing some, some things that the, the, the church, people within the church, had fallen into. As a matter of fact, in, in chapter 4, he, he addresses a rather disturbing instance of, of incest within, within that church congregation. So he talks about piety and what it meant to live as a faithful Christ follower. And then Paul finishes the book in chapters 9 through 14, addressing directly some of these attacks that he had had to endure. You see, Paul wasn't like the other 12. Paul hadn't actually walked with Jesus. He hadn't actually spent time in those three years of Jesus's earthly ministry getting to learn from him. As a matter of fact, it was sometime after that Jesus appeared to him on the road. And and in that space is when he directly received instruction from God, and he had his calling realized. But it wasn't until then. And so there were a lot of people that had questions about, well, you're not like Peter. You're not like John. Those guys actually spent time with Jesus. And so he, he, he finishes it up by addressing those things and then talking through proper procedures for worship and what the body of Christ actually meant. What it actually meant. He wraps up the whole book in chapter 15 with a beautiful passage. And Pastor Mike actually last week um, talked about this passage in his Easter message. As he talked about the resurrection of Christ and the hope that we have looking forward into the future of what it will be like when Christ comes back and everything is restored. And what a beautiful hope that is to round out a book that addresses so many things that are important to our day-to-day lives today. Now, in verse 12, Paul jumps immediately right in, and he's talking about a big topic that they had going on in the Corinthian church. You see, there was a spirit of divisiveness that had overtaken the church in Corinth. The breakdown was this. There was a significant population of Christians living in Corinth who were very wealthy. Isn't money always a thing? It always is. And they were very wealthy. And because that they had the money, they believed that their opinions should carry more weight. So if they wanted the altar here, they would get the altar here. If they wanted it there, they would get it there. They thought that their opinions should matter. On the other side, it was people who were common folk. They were, in some cases, even plebeians, who, who, who were literally the lowest of Roman culture. People who didn't have the money. They didn't have the influence or the power. They were just a follower of Jesus. And there was this great divide. And the church was incredibly, incredibly broken by this to the point where there were factions that were forming within the church itself. It was a very, very difficult situation. And by the way, this is only three years after Paul had literally spent 18 months with them 
living and teaching with them every single day. I don't know about you, but I would have loved to have spent time listening to Paul teach me. I might have thought about the world differently. At least I would like to think that I would. And, and Paul is very concerned because it had broken to the point where people were now viewing themselves as disparate pieces. Well, these people over here can do this, and these people over here can do this, and, and those people can do that. And there wasn't unity. There wasn't unity. And Paul addresses this by saying the body of Christ, it's not, it's not a bunch of people wandering around with no purpose, but instead, that purpose comes directly comes directly from Jesus. Many times, one of the most common things that I hear from, from people, especially new Christians, people who have come into the faith recently, is, you know, I, I don't feel like I have anything to offer, Todd. I, I, you know, I, I, I come to church and, and I see all these people who've been Christians for 40 and 50 years of their life, and, and I, I can't live up to that. I don't know what they know, and, and I have no possible way of ever being able to contribute in that space. Another thing that I hear is, Todd, I'm too old. I've taught Sunday school for 40 years. I've had kids spit up on me in the nursery more times than any human needs to ever know what that smells like. For real, I've had that conversation. And I hear these things, and, and what, what, what it reminds me of is what Paul is talking about. You see, the body of Christ is, is not something that there's just pieces of, of rock stars that make the thing work. It's everybody. It's everybody. He continues in, in, verse four, in verse 13 by, by saying, hey, come here. Uh, I get it. Like, all of you are different. Story time. My wife is an incredible human being, okay? Her and I, though, have very different ideas of what it means to clean something. So for me, I walk into the bathroom. I take the rag. I wipe off the counter. I put the blue stuff in the toilet, I turn the lights off and leave. Being married now, I have learned this is not acceptable protocol within any household that she lives in. Women do not elbow anybody. Please, we don't need that kind of smoke in here. There are different types of people, but do you know what she could never do is talk in front of people. Hello? And Paul's saying is everybody is unique. I'll tell you like I tell children. You see, when I talk to children about, about what God thinks of them, this is how I do it. I say, hey, you know, nobody has ever been just like you. Nobody. By the way, grownups, what if you went to work every day and lived your life as though nobody was just like you? and that you had the creator of the universe that loved you more than anything in the world. It would change the way that you would view work. And I tell them, you see, you are unique and God has designed you exactly in a way to fit a purpose in his kingdom. And inevitably, I always have the child that says, but Mr. Todd, Mr. Todd, I, 
What if I'm not good enough? You see, the Lord judges things differently than what men and women judge things by. And God sees things that only he can see. And he understands things that only he can understand. And he values things on a different scale than what we value things. And our uniqueness isn't something to be shunned. It isn't something to ask for conformity for. This is why it bothers me when people try to make children be the same. See, adults aren't the same. And we would never expect to be treated as though we were all the same. And God loves you because of you. And he died on a cross just because he loves you. Paul ends the section by reminding the Corinthian church of just how beautiful differences are. Which leads me to my first main point. See, to achieve unity, to achieve unity, we don't actually have to give up our unique qualities. Todd, if only first service believed that worshiping Jesus looked like the way I want it to look like, it would be a better place. But Todd, if only the youth group weren't so loud during services. But Todd, I understand that the children need to, to burn off energy. I, I, I get that. But, but, but do you know that they touch things? By the way, I'm very aware of that. They do lots of things. They're very fast. You see, we don't have to give up the unique qualities that make us who we are to be the church, the body of Christ. And God has never called us to do that. He's never called us to do that. He goes into verse 15 saying, Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. See, this is a real problem that the church has today. The don't touch my cheese mentality. And what they say is this, hey, um, if you don't do what I like, I'm going to pick up my ball and go home. I'm going to go to the church down the street. I'm going to go to the church in the next town. Even if I've been here for 30 years, it doesn't matter. You didn't do what I wanted you to do when I wanted you to do it, and I'm ticked about it. So sorry if I pick up my ball and go home. That is a big part of the American church today is that because we are so used to in our daily lives choices and choices abundantly, we have decided that church fits into the same narrative. And so we pick and choose, we pick and choose our churches like we pick and choose our socks and underwear. Every day a different one, and when they smell, throw them out. You can tell I'm a children's pastor. And so when we treat church that way, what Paul says is, Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't do that. You see, he uses a rhetorical device, and he illustrates that <laughs> you can't just lop something off and throw it away in the church whenever you say that you don't like it anymore. You work with it. You pray for it. You love it. And you make it something even better. 
Because the body of Christ is an active and living thing. It's not a building, it's a people. And it's anybody who professes the word of Jesus, anybody who claims that they believe in Jesus and him crucified and the fact that he died and rose again, and he's sitting at the right hand of the living God today. If you believe that, and you have chosen to become a part of a community, how can you then throw it away? That's what Paul's saying. How can you just lop it off and toss it away and say, you know what, I don't want to be a part of this thing anyways because you touched my cheese. You touched my cheese. How dare you, how dare you put that box in the lobby? I didn't approve that box. He says in verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Paul is speaking about the uniqueness that everyone possesses. It's not just unique for the sake of being unique. I've seen some art galleries in my life. And in those art galleries, there's a lot of art that's just worthless. Like they have like, for real, like they'll put a pile of trash on a thing. Have you ever seen this? And they'll put like, like legit just trash and they'll say it's art and they'll sell, sell it for like 50 grand. And I'm going, maybe, but like if you go in my garage like right now, you'll see the same thing for free. <laughs> like, you see, when Jesus creates things, when God makes things, he's the only, by the way, he's the only God in history, right? Of all storytelling and gods who, when he speaks, things are created. And not only are they created, but they're called good and beautiful. And when he created you, he called you very good. You see, art, the art that God creates is, is art that is useful. It's art that has a purpose. And he has a purpose for each and every one of you. You've not just been created and put into Akron, Ohio, or wherever it is that you live or where you come from no purpose. And he writes in verse 18, he, he says that it's the Lord that places the parts within the body. Friends, make no mistake. God is the one doing these things. You see, I think sometimes we get it twisted and we think that we think that, you know, we, we can make these choices on our own and, 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 you know, when we do the building project and when we're doing the different things that we're doing here in the church, that, it's, that it's, it's, the, it's people on staff or it's the elders or it's the deacons and deaconesses or whoever it is that are actually doing all these things. It has nothing to do with us. We are just allowing God to use us. By the way, God wants to use you too because you have a purpose within the body of Christ. And he ends this section, he ends this section by arguing that, see, if we were just an assortment of parts, if we were just like that Mr. Potato Head, where you could just stick things on anywhere you want, is that really a coherent body? Is that actually something useful? Because it's not. It's not useful at all. You see, we know that a body has to have a purpose, and that it does because the church exists. And the church is the body of Christ. Which leads me to my second point. You see, every part is required to make a functioning body. Every part is required to make a functioning body. I hear so often those things that I told you about earlier. 
And I just have some responses to the I'm too old or the I'm too young argument. Two things. No one is ever too old to retire from the kingdom of heaven. You do not turn 62 and start pulling on social security and all of a sudden you make a deal with Jesus and say, hey bro, I'm going down to Florida. If you wanna use me, you can call me down there. I'll let you know because flights sometimes get weird. If you want to use me, though, like, can we schedule it? Because, like, the grandkids are coming and, and, like, they're really taxing. And so if you could use me in between those times, I'll give you my leftovers. It's not how it works. No one retires from the kingdom of heaven. My mother is a uh, activities director at a 55 and older community she has everybody um, who, all the way up through, through dementia patients, right? And one of the things that I often hear her telling me about when, when I, I hear her tell stories is, is how even these people who, who literally their mind is deteriorating, okay, their brain is deteriorating, at the end of their life, they, they care about a few things. And usually one of them is their relationship with God. And those people even can pray. But Todd, I have a disability. Todd, I don't have money. Todd, I don't have skill. Todd, I don't have the ability. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. So when you tell me all of these things, you can pray. Call me this week. I have a list of kids. I'm meeting with three kids' parents this week. Three kids, and all of them have significant things going on in their life that has altered not only the child's life, but the life of the family. There's three of them this week. Our children today are being absolutely, absolutely hijacked from the purposes that God has created them for. Pray for them. At the very least, do that. Do you want to serve? I'll connect you with the greeters. I'll connect you with the children's ministry. I'll connect you with the student ministry. I'll connect you with a Bible study. I'll connect you with all of these places. God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. Secret time, you're all part of the called. Second thing that irritates me in my response is, well, I'm only a kid. I'm only a teenager. Church, when, when Seth was up here earlier, do you understand that they're not, those students aren't actually doing projects for you. They're doing them for God. Let them help. Let them learn how to serve. They're never too young to understand what it means to serve the kingdom of God. I let them volunteer for me. I let them come into my spaces. I want to have them hear me tell stories and Miss Mallory tell stories and Mr. Ben tell stories and Miss Linda and all the rest. I want them to hear those things. I want them to see what it means for adults, people who follow Jesus to follow Jesus. I need them to hear those things and see those things because when they see those things, it does something to their faith and secret time, your faith, that makes it a robust and living thing and not dead and full of cobwebs. There are no age requirements in the kingdom of God. So you can't retire from the kingdom of heaven and you 
There's never an age requirement for you to start. You know, this is why I tell people you should be reading your children, even at three months old, the Bible. Why? Because the Holy Spirit brings those things to our brain at odd times, and we never know what it is that the Holy Spirit's going to do. Every part, every part is required to make a body function. See, the eye in verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. You see, Paul argues that nobody is better than anybody else. I don't care if you drive a Mercedes or if you drive some jalopy. Nobody is better than anybody else, especially in the kingdom of heaven. We all have different roles to play. Verse 22, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. It continues on in 23, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Verse 24, while our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it. Secret time, yes, if you were wondering, grown-ups, see, I called you grown-ups. He is talking about people's private parts, hence why I never tell this story to children. I'd say this part, and we would just shut down the day. It would just be done. They'd be giggling. But what is Paul saying here? Paul's addressing the fact that there are parts within even the church that are hurting. Parts that are damaged in some way. Parts that, for whatever reason, need special treatment. They need, they need to be brought into the fold and loved and prayed for. Even those people, even those parts, even they can pray. It's a beautiful metaphor for this. We cover each other. Somebody doesn't have money to fix their house, we cover each other. Somebody's in the hospital and needs prayer, we cover each other. Somebody isn't good at cleaning the house and they just put the toilet bowl cleaner in it without using the brush. She covers me, but usually I get in trouble. We cover each other. You see, another secret time, all of us have parts that if left exposed, aren't that great. Put me in a car and tell me I have to make it run if it's not working. That ain't great. That car is not running. It's not. Put some of these other dudes that I've met and talked to who come on Wednesday nights, we're going. All parts should be honored and all parts deserve to be given the opportunity to serve and to love and to pray. Verse 25, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Again, a unified Christ a unified Christ. The church is at its best when the body is unified under Christ, working toward loving its community, covering the weak spots in the community, and not allowing for division to rankle. Now, I'm going to speed through this next part. But I want you this week to be thinking of a few things. Verse 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. We are in this together. Christ came, died, and rose again and handed the job 
to us to spread this gospel message. This beautiful story of a Savior that came and died and rose again. The church is at its best when all parts are unified under Christ. Three ways to be a part of your church community. Context. My mother got this from her father. And whenever there was a bad chore around the house that needed done, this is what she would say, and this is what he would also say. Those who dig ditches together stay together. Those who clean out the chicken coop stay together. Personally, I think that a better response was those who clean out the chicken coop together get to go get ice cream together. But that was just me as a child, and in my childhood, I was a sinful being. But I have three statements just like that for you that I want us to consider this morning. Number one, those who serve together stay together. Paul showcases that all parts are needed for the body to be healthy. You are being selfish. You are being selfish. And you are not allowing this body to be healthy if you are in some capacity are not serving and helping. You don't need to come down to children's ministry. I know it's scary. Listen, those creatures are like dragons some days. I know. Don't. Be part of the greeting committee. Go help serve coffee. Pray. There's a prayer chain. You can get the email right into your inbox today. You can pray for people every day of the week. Tithe. If you have a lot of money, tithe. Give above your tithe. Serve. You are being selfish if you don't do this. This isn't some pastor guy that's trying to get you to give more or to do more. This is me just saying, listen, this is what Paul says. I, listen, all parts are needed. This is an all skate, gang. This is an all skate. And all parts are needed. Paul argues that if all the parts are not present, there are pieces missing that are vital. You are a vital piece of the puzzle here at Community Church. You are vital. Call Jamie. Call me. Call Joseph, call Pastor Mike or Bob or whoever. Call somebody, get involved. It's an all skate. Number two, those who believe together stay together. <laughs> Friends, this is the gospel part of the message. Don't tune out. You all have had the privilege to hear the gospel presented. The reason I know that is because I hang around Pastor Mike and there's not a day that goes by when in some form he's preaching to like Joe and I. Part of that's also because Joe and I, he might think are sinful, I don't know. But like he tells us all the time about how much Jesus loves us and stuff. And so like some, some days there are times when I'm concerned that he thinks that like we're terrible sinners. But I know that the gospel oozes out of the dude and the other Sunday school teachers and the people who do that. And so you've heard this message so many times. You've had the opportunity. There was a man, his name, was Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus grew up perfect. This is just what I tell children. He grew up perfect. He never did anything wrong. And when he was in his 30s, he decided he was going to take a group of these bums, these dudes that had no business being together, nor did they have any business of having any type of significance in their life. And he preached and preached and preached about the kingdom of heaven. And when he was at one point accused of things that he did not do, he was hung on a tree crucified and he died. And he did all of that 
because he knew that there had to be a sacrifice for your sins and for my sins. What is sin? Sin is anything that we do say, think, or have a part of our being that separates us from God. God cannot be a part of that. So he died and made a pathway for redemption so that you and I don't have to be separated from God for all of eternity. But not only did he stay dead and just die, but he, to be Lord over everything, he came back from the dead. Now he's defeated death. We celebrated it last week. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father waiting for you and I to make a decision to follow him. Now, if you haven't made that decision and you're sitting there and, and it's something that you've never heard or you've always wondered about it, I would encourage you to ask God, hey, are you wanting me to follow you? I bet you he'll answer. If you want to talk, come to me. I'll be at, right up here after the service. If you don't want to do it, if it's too scary, that's fine. You can sit quietly and just say, hey, God, as much as I know and as much as I am, I pray and ask that you would come into my life today that you would forgive me of my sin. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know that I cannot be with you the way that I am. I pray that you take my sin away and I want you to be the leader of my life and I want you to be Lord of all. If you pray that prayer, the Bible says that you become a new creature. You become an actual new thing. If you have prayed that prayer, you have been baptized into the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. Those who believe together stay together. You've been baptized into the same spirit. That spirit lives inside of me and it lives inside of you if you believe in Jesus. Because of that, because of that, I need you to understand that your church community is here to support you. They're here to love you. They're here to pray for you, encourage you, and also hold you accountable. We need encouragement. That's what the body of Christ is for. Number three, those who obey together stay together. That one rhymed. I was very proud of that. <clears throat> we serve a God of order. God is not a God of chaos. When you read a lot of the stories of, of gods uh, that the Greeks worshipped or gods that the Egyptians worshipped, oftentimes even the gods themselves are broken in some way. They have things about them that aren't perfect. There's chaos. The God that you serve and the God that I serve is not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. The word obey sometimes is something that we get weird about. Obedience leads to freedom. When we obey God, when we believe in God, he sets us free. And that freedom is something that's beautiful. See, he didn't leave us with a gospel that leaves it up to chance. The gospel doesn't leave it up to chance. It's provable. He died. He was buried. He rose. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. And the way that we, by the way, the way that we obey is by reading the word, faithfully praying, and seeking wise counsel from people that are further along than we are. Verse 26, again. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. This is our community, but more importantly, it's the body of Christ and the community that he's built and set apart to live forever with him, to live with ever for him, forever with him. 
I love you. I appreciate you. Follow Jesus. Follow him with everything that you have. Serve your community. Serve your church. Give to Christ everything that you have. And that is it for this week's message. If you'd like to get in touch or even to find a way to serve in our community, send us a text to 330-644-6121. You can learn more about our events and community groups online at ccpl.life connect. There you can also send in a prayer request. We would love to pray for you. Have a blessed Lord's Day and we'll see you next week.